0: Connecting the dots here, Chris Johnson is from Florida originally, so I reckon he also hates Carol Baskets. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. It's the off-season, we're all locked down in our houses with nothing to do but chew tape and look at trade decisions. So hey, we got Connor here, and we've got Fitz.
1: Hello. Hey up, How are you getting on? Yeah, coming in from Cork. Uh, Ireland is uh, under full lockdown effectively. Well, maybe not full lockdown. I hear you had a little bit of period of full lockdown, but uh, as as much as you can get away with it in a country like Ireland, because if you're mm. bring troops in the street, I don't know what would happen. Like, yeah, it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. It would be counterproductive, probably. But uh, working from home now, so most of my work stuff is basically unaffected in terms of just now I'm in my living room instead of an office but obviously everything else is a, a lot less fun but you can't go out and do anything so just staying home staying safe yeah it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting time hopefully you know in a month or two uh, we'll be more past the worst of it
0: yeah, yeah no same here I'm, I'm now in week seven I think of working from home with a limited ability to work from home so I'm doing some stuff but there's other stuff that's just like all right, well, I can do that when I'm back in the office. Um, really, when
1: really look forward to that bye week you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um, you're right, yeah, we did actually have a, have a period of full lockdown where we were literally, you're not allowed to leave the house. Anyone found on the streets will be, like, detained and put in prison for a year, so that was fun. It didn't really make sense. It was closed for, like, 48 hours, but, you know, whatever. It's grand. Our biggest issue here is that uh, all the alcohol shops have been closed for about four and a half weeks to five weeks, so everyone is now pretty much run dry. And everyone is now ringing up their mates who knows a guy who knows a guy. So hopefully we're getting some uh, illegal booze supplies coming in tonight. I think through a couple of different routes. So that'll be that'll be good fun. Yeah, apart from that, uh, but enjoying the NFL films. Have been putting up old games that they think are great on YouTube in their entirety and been rewatching those. I watched the uh, Tony Romo versus Peyton Manning. Was it fifty two to forty nine or something at the end of that one? That was a great game. Good, good crack to go back and watch on the old, particularly just to see, you really see the difference in some of the rules that are in place now versus then as well when you're watching some <laughs> of the older games. But yeah, so I suppose we've actually got lots of news to catch up on. So this one's going to be a kind of a, a free agency roundup so far, because so we're going to see most of the big moves have been made. There's a couple of names still out there, so we'll go through the news Then we'll go through the moves that have happened in free agency and who's available still at positions if your team is looking. And we'll probably look at a couple of teams and what they've done, the big movers and shakers during this period. So we'll kick off, I suppose, with the news. So the CBA has passed a collective bargaining agreement, uh, 1019 to 959. So this means that there will not be a strike. It's a guarantees industrial piece, I suppose, for a decade, and it works It kicks in immediately. So like we mentioned before, there was a potential issue for if people had franchise tags and transition tags on players, but I don't think that actually impacted anyone. The big key points are we've got a 17-game season starting either next year or the year after. We're going to have an extra team in the playoffs from each division. Only the first seed is going to get a bye week. You're going to have three games per conference on the wildcard weekend. So those are the big moves. So more games, which is good for the revenue of the NFL. But they didn't get a ton in return. They got a slight increase in the cap. They got a bit of a higher guarantee for, I believe it's like players qualify for essentially retirement payments a year earlier if they're out of the league and some additional health benefits. But there was also some cut payments to like health supports for disabled players and stuff like that. I struggle when I look at this, fits that like, it seems that they didn't get a huge amount in return for what is probably their biggest bargaining chip of putting an extra game in place and having an extra playoff game. They didn't get the preseason reduced. This is presumably just going to lead to a discussion of, well, 17's a weird number. Why don't we just have 18 games? That's a nice round number. It seems that they gave up a lot for not a lot in return.
1: I think the problem here is that most of the improvements that they got were kind of iterative. They weren't revolutionary. There, was, there is no you know, change to healthcare. Like it's better now, but it's still not guaranteed healthcare care for, for all players who reach a certain amount of, of time. Like the pensions issue is improved, but it's not better. And I think like, you know, it was said beforehand, and it seems to have come through here, that this was a, a deal specifically targeted at the, I suppose, the middle to lower class of the NFL hierarchy because there will be pretty rapid escalation assuming things go to plan. And obviously right now plans are, are a little bit askew, that uh, you know, minimum wage players are getting a, a million uh, per year um, in the NFL going forward. So that's a pretty big, I suppose, psychological change. And there is talk that due to the coronavirus COVID nineteen situation, that you know, obviously with revenues and the NFL's future, especially for the next for the upcoming season now being in jeopardy, that well, that may not be known fully at the time. But there was certainly enough eruptions there that people were like, well, maybe it's better to take something now because in a year's time. If there's been a squeeze on the league as a whole, then we may find it an even more difficult negotiation at that point. So there's talk, like it was actually talked that some players wanted to change their vote, uh, which initially people picked up as like, oh, people were going against the CBA. But in actuality, most reports indicate that players, given what was happening in the world at the time this was passing, is about a month ago now, that they were willing to basically say, okay, get this done, get this guaranteed in, and, and then hope that this is fine. So I think the only real controversy that emerged because there was nothing really. Horribly controversial beyond perhaps the the extra game um, Was that apparently some kind of change in the fine print for players who had to retire due to their disability They ended up making a very significant cut to the amount of income that they were getting from the NFL So I think it's something to do with the offsetting against government uh, Government uh, benefits in that case. So it's just that that was the only thing that really came up at the time Otherwise, it's kind of one of the ones that yes There's a question of, did they get enough for an extra game? Probably not. Though I do think when the extra game comes in, the preseason will be reduced. So it's just, yeah, it's a bit boring on their side. But it was busy and effective negotiating tactic in the NFL. And Yeah, if you're a star player, a star quarterback or something, you can get anything out of this really. But there's only so many of those guys. And if they want those guys to get on board, they probably need to be more aggressive in courting them early and often.
0: No, of course. And you mentioned there one of the things that probably drove this was the uh, uncertainty So obviously the coronavirus is having an impact on the NFL, particularly for this period of free agency and coming up to the draft. So you can imagine teams are effectively shut down. You can't all be meeting in groups over there. This means for free agents, it's very difficult for them to get medicals. So you'll see that reflected in some of the players like Cam Newton and Jadavian Clowney who are still sitting out there because if you can't go down and get signed off by the team's medics, they want to test you. They want to see where risks might be. It's, it, it's a problem. I think you mentioned that uh, Michael Brocker's Baltimore was, he had his one cancelled because of availability of medical staff or something at the time. So, like, this is going to have a big knock on effect in the free agency element. But then also, as you can imagine, for the upcoming draft, it means there aren't pro days for the vast majority of these athletes. They're not able to come in for private visits. They are they're doing Skype calls and phone calls with the players, but you know they can't get them into the facility to meet the coaches and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a draft that's going to be much more dependent on the scouting expertise within the within the within the uh, organizations. How much tape their guys have watched, how much they agree with, and can we can get on the same page with the scouts without having to meet the guy and see if he's one of my kind of guys? You know, so obviously that will play well to some of the more experienced good teams like baltimore historically very good at the draft process and have a very good scouting team and then people like cincinnati who i think have by a distance the smallest scouting group and everything will be quite badly hit by it they've also canceled the public draft in vegas so we're going to get presumably something that's going to look a little bit like the xfl draft if you watched any of that where it's all going to be on computer screens with goodell reading out every selection and yeah i i don't know what do you think about this virtual draft like I, I, don't think it makes a huge difference to the watching experience. Just it means it means it's less likely we're going to get drunk and record a live podcast. over I think It'll
1: be less interesting in certain cases. It's, it's less drama, I suppose, but it's also better in some way that a lot of the fat um, will also be reduced because you know you, it's probably a bit difficult or so more difficult to get, get these random people so if you're someone who likes to go deep on day two and three in particular you should be able to make a fair amount of time mm. and effort saving versus the traditional draft where you know everyone and anyone is invited of course like the, the draft prospect thing you're completely right there it's interesting uh there was a troll account that got some got some shares about two an arrest warrant being out for him <laughs> <laughs> uh, because he, he he because of his vir- like his virtual pro team now ended up in a troll account but uh like yeah, I think the virtual draft. It's basically, yeah, the joke going around is it's basically a fantasy draft, right? It's just basically these guys going into going into the room and then just picking from all around the country, and you know obviously they're going to do a they're going to do a uh, you know a systems check before it, where they'll check. Apparently, they're mostly using Microsoft Teams as their primary mechanism for doing this. Mm. I have no experience of Microsoft Teams. Uh, I don't no, either. Not, they keep trying to get me to
0: use it, and I just not, I just refuse.
1: Yeah. So. I don't know how, uh, this. you know, we know what happened with the uh, tablets back in the day when they first got introduced to the NFL, and apparently the backup, backup plan, uh, there is actually one pick you would get ex- 30 extra seconds as an emergency, but the backup, backup plan is that there's going to be a, uh, a conference call on, and you just have to shout out your pick. Through the you conference call, <laughs> So, so vi- just shout it out to everyone, it's like, I'm taking Dua, uh, mm-hmm. if you're really screwed. So... Yeah, like I think obviously, given the circumstances, uh, the NFL will basically have the eyes of the sport world because every sports correspondent right now is desperate for anything. I've seen NFL stuff show up in my in the Irish Times and other uh, <laughs> other sites for anything to do with sports, so it'll be interesting. And then you know, I suppose the more serious coronavirus effects, like John Payton did catch the virus, but thankfully had no ill effects. And uh, the XFL is gone now, uh, unfortunately, gone bankrupt, and uh, a lot of Angry creditors are apparently going to have to line up to get money from Bits of Man and apparently a little bit of WWE was involved as well. So, yeah. you know, the coronavirus obviously is having way bigger effects in the wider world and all our lives, but uh, it's definitely had its it had its notches on the NFL and uh, American football too.
0: Yeah, it's also led to a couple of XFL players who have now been signed to uh, teams. I believe the Chiefs picked up one of the quarterbacks to like challenge for the third QB spot or something on the roster. But uh, yeah. yeah. Should be good fun. Uh, we'll swing over to the controversy corner. Uh, there's not a wide pile going on here. So we had a couple of proposed rule changes, although the question now is whether the owners' meetings will go ahead to be able to sign off on them or whatever. So rule changes that are being discussed, there's a lot of little small ones, but there's ones of like the, you can, re- it's a, you can refuse... Uh, time stop on a, on an offensive penalty or something like that. Basically, the Bill Belichick rule. If you remember, there was the game where Bill did this to another team and then the Titans did it to Bill Belichick, where basically they were just able to run a load of time off the clock by intentionally taking penalties. So there's a proposal to get that removed. Uh, there's extra protection proposals for punt kick returners to make sure that they you know don't get hit. And there's also uh, a proposal to... Return overtime to fifteen minutes, uh, from the ten minutes it's currently at.
1: <laughs> I know you take interest in that yourself. Obviously, uh, I know it's, I know you have the Super Bowl to make up for it at this point, but uh, uh, the year prior. Uh, well, the, well the, 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 thing,
0: the thing is, it does it doesn't address any of the issues of one team not getting <laughs> to touch the ball. It's just, well,
1: just gives more, it more time. Yeah. Philadelphia, like there's a couple of other ones around blindside blocks because they were kind of a lot of blindside blocks were for thrown tro- last year for so kind of weren't really that dangerous plays and mm. then a uh, couple of uh, new officials people were asking for. But the competition committee, yeah, the Belichick rule, basically to stop that, be able to run off time. Um, but anything coming from the committee is likely to get passed. And then the kick punt returner thing is a, it's a very obvious thing, that should be known years ago, it's like, if this is just that case where if the player has just caught it and obviously hasn't given a fair catch, mm. you know, don't really want to incentivize bang-bang plays where they catch the ball and then they get smashed right in the face. So they're just trying to create a bit of leeway there that you have to give them some you know, time to Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, we'll be able to be prepared for contact. And it's just, it's an obvious thing, because, like, those kind of hits are the more obvious places where the NFL is still incredibly dangerous. Uh, And, of course, the other thing is that the the, the pass interference uh, rule that was introduced in a trial basis last year is very much expected to be abandoned uh, without any much noise uh, at the owner's committee as well, because it had to be renewed, because it was an experiment, Uh, it was a trial. So that's a big, you know, it was an interesting experiment. It had some ups and downs, but... Obviously, based on what we've seen, the teams don't really feel it, it, it fixed the problems designed to fix, just created more controversy. And there's also
0: there's also a discussion about Sky judges being introduced as well, but the, the nuts and bolts of it haven't been made completely clear yet. But I think if that's going to happen, it'll be on a very slow-sliding basis uh, if it does. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. Like Obviously, we'll, we'll report on these if uh, if they get passed or whatever. Um, we'll see. Crime and Punishment got real interesting real quick this week. Uh, <laughs> Oh, retired running back Chris Johnson has been accused in a murder-for-hire case.
1: Apparently, like the, like there were two deaths in 2016, so this is a, you know, a murder did happen here, and their reports basically indicate that he basically paid a gang leader to help him form a drug-graphing organisation in exchange for killing these individuals. Uh, I think it was something to do with like, a drive-by shooting incident involving himself, um, basically he wanted to get revenge for that. That's the, obviously what's alleged in this case. Um, so obviously if, they, if, if evidence exists and he is prosecuted he will face a very severe well, sentence basically. Chris Johnson obviously was at his peak the best running back in the league and it's only, uh, it's always very uh, sad to see uh, situations like this occur both as well as the original incident and obviously the Revenge that may have occurred
0: here. Uh, other bits of news we had some retirements. Dallas center Travis Frederick has retired. So, if you remember, he was champion the rare citron Gil, uh, Gillen Barr. So, basically, he was finding it very difficult to work. I think it's like kind of had constant levels of pain and inability on certain days to operate at all. So, he said he can kind of play through, but not at any level that he would want to continue playing. So, he's decided to take early retirement. And this obviously is a big impact on the Dallas line, which it's slowly but surely going from a massive point of strength to now a bit more of a question mark, which wouldn't be where I would have expected it immediately.
1: Yeah, like it's probably still like a top 10 unit, but it's not the, the kind of fearsome unit we would have expected, like mm. uh, Tyron Smith's had injury issues, obviously Travis Fedrick retiring. They still have Zach Martin, probably the best guard in the league, but mm. yeah, it's still not where it used to be in the... Obviously, Travis Frederick talked about that he could, he was able to play last year, mm-hmm. he probably could have kept playing, but he specifically said that he didn't think he was able to play at the level that he previously was able to, and he just didn't feel it was worth continuing to play without being uh, able to live up to that, even though he got into the Pro Bowl this year, so... Or maybe that's based on name rather than performance in his No, of course.
0: Uh, speaking of great guards, Baltimore offensive guard Marshall Yanda has retired after 13 seasons with Baltimore. This was a big surprise to me because I would have thought, particularly with the success they saw last year, and he did play at a very good level, that he would want to try and stay in there for the potential for, for, for another Super Bowl in there. But uh, yeah, like he, he's probably a Hall of Famer, isn't he? Probably a Hall of Famer eventually. Uh, I don't
1: think first ballot, but uh, I think he's one of those solid type of players who eventually get in. Like I think right now you've got your fellas like Baselli as the example. So I think given the success in the Super Bowls, uh, or the Super Bowl he should have enough on his uh, CV along with his great play to mm. to mean to he should get in there. Uh, I think like no one wanted him to retire from the organization. I think Mark Ingram has talked about trying to stop him, but obviously he decided that the, the effort and the pain of continuing to play isn't worth the rewards uh, at this point in his
0: career No of course and uh, tight end Benjamin Watson's retired after 16 years uh, played with New England, New Orleans the Masili champion was suspended at the start of the year because he retired last season and then took like stem cells or whatever to get over yeah, the pair. Yeah
1: he, he's retired before but uh, this time probably fully retired because mm. he ended up doing much in New England this year
0: No, um, but yeah, it's a good long 16-year career. There has also been some deaths since we spoke last. So former Seattle Minnesota quarterback Travis Jackson had a car accident and died very young. Hall of Fame running back Bobby Mitchell, he was the first African-American on the Washington team. Died and kicker Tom Dempsey, who for a very, very long time held the uh, longest field goal record, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, He died of, I think this was COVID-19 related, wasn't
1: it? So he he famously uh, didn't have toes on his right foot and had a special shoe that uh, ended up being banned by the NFL, They didn't have a shoe-like shoe. So that record held for so many years, probably because he had a natural advantage. But of course, the natural advantage came from not having toes, so I think it's probably fair enough. Uh, and Tavares Jackson, yeah, it's, it's kind of tragic there. He was only in his mid-30s, uh, died in a car accident. Uh, since he's left the league, he's had issues, I believe, uh, domestic violence incident, which apparently his wife basically burned him during. Uh, basically, he pulled a gun there, and she said, <laughs> basically... Uh, you know, well, you better hit me. Unlike what you do in the field, basically, <laughs> Bobby Mitchell. Yeah, uh, you know, if you want a little bit of trivia, the last team to include an African American on them, uh, the Mazoongus. Uh Can't really say I'm that fucking surprised.
0: It really doesn't seem all that uh, all that surprising at all, does it? And also, finally, then Gronk uh, has joined the WWE. He was their guest presenter for the Super for WrestleMania, not the Super Wrestle. Same, he, same different. And then he tried to win the he tried to win the twenty four seven championship belt on the night. And then does he currently hold it?
1: Yeah, so the twenty four seven belt is similar to the uh, I think it was a hardcore belt or yeah, the hardcore like belt back in the day. The one where basically you can you can get anytime, time. You can get a challenge if a referee's nearby. Coincidentally, mm. um, so he, he's now one of the longest holders of that because there's apparently team was getting lose after a day, but of course. How much of that's due to Gronk's power, and how much is due to the fact that you can't meet up with anyone ever? Yeah, um, is uh, is is up for debate, I suppose. But for now, Gronk is in the WWE. He has a belt, so I expect him to make a lot more guest appearances when the wrestling returns, which
0: maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, well, from what I gather, they, they've been keeping going the whole time. They're just having it without crowds at their performance center.
1: Yeah, so I think they got away with that right up to WrestleMania, but I believe now they would be stopped um, okay. unless they bring the whole road show to some stage that doesn't give a shit, like Alabama or something Fair like that,
0: enough, right? fair enough. Um, so players that are staying put, these are the franchise tags that have been put out. I think we kind of discussed most of these in advance. So we probably don't need to go through them. Like the expected ones, Prescott, Chris Jones... Derek Henry, Shaq Barrett, AJ Green, yeah, pretty much everyone. the The only interesting side ones are Arizona put a transition tag on running back Kenyon Drake, who they traded for from Miami, so they're obviously like him, but would you know would would be interested in seeing what they could get for him. And Cleveland uh, a second round tender put on Kareem Hunt, uh, the running back that they picked up after he was cut from the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. So,
1: like most of these are. Just as you are, uh, I think the only ones that may be interesting. I think Dak Prescott. There is talk that they'll do a contract renewal with him soon. Mm. Yannick and is still actively looking for a trade, so he's basically available if you're willing to pay up uh, whatever Jacksonville is looking for. Mm. I believe Anthony Harris, Minnesota, are basically open to trades for him too. And I think the only ones that we didn't really mention last time, besides that, was Joe Thuni was uh, tagged by the Patriots, mm. um, who, who he's been protecting. Is a, is a different question, but uh, they do have a. A good guard there in Joe Tooney for mm. another year. And there's want. been there's been
0: talk of New England looking to trade him as well as a tag and trade candidate, but uh, Yeah, so we'll some of these
1: some of these are might be traded, but Ngakwe and Harris are the only two that there's been active talk that they're open to, basically, or mm. what the player is looking for.
0: I think there's a lot of chat in Kansas City about they've been trying to get a long term deal with Chris Jones done, but if they don't get that, then I think it moves to a to a tag and trade situation.
1: And um, I don't expect too many holdouts with the COVID nineteen situation.
0: Yeah, that's essentially it. Uh, and extensions is just a few of these. So this one I'm kind of surprised a little bit by. So Tennessee Extend quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Makes sense. He played pretty decently for them. Four years, $118 million, $68 million guaranteed. That is a lot of money to be giving Tannehill.
1: Yeah, I, think I, I would probably agree. And obviously Derrick Henry is on the tag, so getting paid a fair amount. So I think Tennessee ended up having to cut a few players, like old favorites like Delaney Walker and... Kicker and stuff like that. So, I think you know, with the new CBA, cap room became a lot more expensive, and there's always ways to make this work. But uh, yeah, Tannehill now installed as the starter for the foreseeable future there. The that's the thing, like that's there, like,
0: that, like that's that's a contract where you are you're expecting a minimum of three years, really, like
1: sixty eight million. Yeah, like to be fair, like like that level of guarantee for a quarterback contract isn't that high. There's definitely been a lot higher, but I think for a player. of you know, With the uncertainty around him of Ryan Tannehill, you do have to ask questions about uh, the wisdom of it. But I think given the tag situation with Derrick Henry, they obviously said like giving a contract to a running back right now is far more risky than giving it to a quarterback. So let's just get the quarterback in, and we could probably get some trade value from him even if he doesn't work out as well as we won't. Uh, and is the starting quarterback, so he can, and he did well last year. He was very efficient. So I think it's worth giving him. You want to keep him in the building, and you have to pay the the. the, the piper and this is kind of yeah it's a bit high to my mind but it's it's not ridiculous basically it's kind
0: of the the problem i have with is just i don't i don't see any i don't see any other team giving him this kind of deal so i don't think that they had to go this far like i'd understand it more if it was a two-year 55 million guaranteed kind of thing that they can get out after or sorry three year 55 million guaranteed that they can get out of and then they can work from there like this locks them in for three years, like if they if they cut him, they're gonna have to eat what about seventeen million of dead cap space in the third season. Like it's yeah.
1: Well, I think the hope is not to have to cut him then. Uh, yeah, true. And uh, like I think I think to be fair, given that he came in and took over mid-season and did so well, I think they also probably wanted to make. I think there's always a kind of cultural thing, you know, certain call like. I think you know, even though Rabel is from the Belichick tree, I do feel that Rabel runs a more player-centered organization than Belichick ever did, and perhaps he's more willing to pay players who do the job and do the job correctly and let them know that they they can that you know we're a competition-first team. Like obviously, he gave the drill to Tannehill after you know uh, getting rid of Mariota and deciding the first-round pick wasn't worth the effort. Mm-hmm. And Tannehill showed up, so he's willing to pay him. Maybe he could have cut a few dollars off, but maybe for pissing off the player. It wasn't worth doing it. Then he signed up uh, uh, their tackle, Dennis Kelly, as kind of their swing tackle to kind of shore things up as well after losing Conklin. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the tennis, the Titans should be fine with this. It's just a matter of whether they can, they're can, they able to move to the next step at time.
0: No, of course. Uh, New Orleans quarterback Drew Brees signed a two-year, $50 million contract. Although all the rumors surrounding them is that this is basically a one-year contract. I think the guarantees work out that kind of way as well. So we'll see. And their offensive lineman, Andreas Peet, Got a big, tasty five-year, $57.5 million contract with a nice chunk of guarantees. So it's solid. Good to have him in the house. He's a very good guard. And, you know, having him there means you protect Breeze, but also whenever you do move on from, be it next year or the year after, you've got some good pieces to protect, whatever you're putting in. I like I like it. Yeah,
1: we knew, we knew Breeze was going to stay even by the time of last month's podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I think the contract he got here is... No, for him, he's generally been historically someone who maximizes value. But I think explicitly now, given where he is in his career, he is willing to take a little bit less mm. um, to be able to ensure Andrews Peel yep. and Simler can get signed. And yeah, he got a nice little weapon in Emmanuel Sanders, mm. as we'll talk about in the moment. Yeah, and, he, um, and perhaps with some of that spare sh- change that
0: he all, all it means for him is just one or two less weirdly diamond necklaces that he's super into for some <laughs> <type of> reason. And then, of, quarterback yeah. Kirk Cousins signed an extension, two years, 66 million. This is surprisingly team friendly because I think only about half of this is guaranteed and it's an extension, so it just means that they could then spread out cap hit if they decide to part ways with them in a way. Uh, but it's good for him, gets himself paid. Uh, I still think that team goes nowhere with Kirk Cousins, but you know, still.
1: Yeah, I, I think given where things are, maybe he's happy to take a starting quarterback position right now. And obviously, I think he has some of his contracts fully guaranteed it's still left over. This is just adding on yeah. top of that. but you know, hopefully keep me around for a little bit. and so no, obviously, obviously all the noises from them are pretty positive.
0: Mm. Carolina booked the train with running backs and so to pay them. Uh, Christian McCaffrey gets a four-year, $64 million extension. I don't have any information yet on how much of this is guaranteed, but obviously it's an extension, so they still get his last year in his rookie contract. Yeah, like this is uh, this is a very tasty contract with like 16 a year averaging And the thing is, he is quite young still, so I can kind of see it. And with the fact that they're moving pieces around, they've gotten Cam gone out of the building, they're kind of in a soft rebuild type thing, keeping around the faces of the franchise makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I think when you're kind of burning things to the ground, which is what it feels like right now, um, it it kind of makes sense, I suppose, to just kind of get out there and just uh, keep the one guy that everyone obviously loves in the building. Like, he's... He, you know, I think, unlike, say, even someone like Todd Gurley, who, who obviously his peak was amazing, I think Christian McCaffrey has been a productive player uh, since year one. Uh, obviously, he's just got better and better as time has gone on. So I feel a, a little bit safer, I suppose, giving him his money because mm-hmm. he's looked good regardless of how good the team looked around him. Obviously, a running back's injuries are an ever-present concern, but he's mm-hmm. obviously been incredibly durable as well. So if you are going to break the bank for a running back, you probably want given someone like Christian McCaffrey or uh, well, in terms of health, Ezekiel Elliott, these kind of guys who are robust, who kind of keep going and, and look good no matter what. No, of course. Uh, and so Christian McCaffrey being the highest paid running back doesn't seem like too much of an issue to me. No, and he's uh, a good pass team.
0: catcher as well, and that'll play well with Teddy Bridgewater in there. Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. That's going to be a run first team still with Teddy.
0: No, of course. Uh, Dallas signed wide receiver Amari Cooper to a five-year, $100 million deal. He'd climb more money with the Mzungus. Good man, because that would be a fucking terrible decision. Uh, they also resigned Sean Lee and uh, Anthony Brown. And, um, yeah, I think Dallas needed to needed to keep Cooper in the building I think. Although you would wonder with what we've heard and this will happen next week but what we've heard of as being a very wide receiver rich draft whether this is the spot where you want to be paying 100 million to a wide receiver. But he's been productive for them. But I think we've always been kind of like, he's not quite your number one. He's like your 1B kind of level receiver.
1: Yeah, well, Rex Ryan's uh, previous comments on Amari Cooper ended up being brought up uh, recently.
0: What do they call him? A turd or something?
1: A turd, yes. Look, like they're fitting a lot of money onto their cap right now, Dak Prescott. Either on the tag or on an extension, He's got to get a lot of money. Ezekiel Elliott's on a lot of money already. They're paying a lot of money now to Amari Cooper. They're paying a lot of money to their offensive line. They're paying a lot of money to Demarcus Lawrence in the defense. They lost Byron Jones in this free agent period. Um, they're kind of bargain shopping with people like Sean Lee, Anthony Brown, and Gerald McCoy. I think Dallas, for the foreseeable future, yes, their core is pretty good. Albeit, I do think I do agree. Amari Cooper has a tendency not to have that. You know, uh, every game success that you see from the likes of Julio Jones or, or Antonio Brown in his peak. So I'm, I'd be a little bit wary of giving him all this money. But, you know, Jerry loves his players. Once he has a successful player, he wants to keep them. And if that means having to put Sean Lee at 30-whatever years old into the defense, then that's what Jerry's going to do. Like So like we'll see. I think that the, the build for this will probably come a, a year or two from now rather than this season. And um, they could probably still
0: compete this season, but going forward, it could make things difficult. Yeah. San Francisco signed uh, Eric Armstead, their defensive tackle, to a five-year, $85 million contract. Safety Jimmy Ward to a three-year, $28.5 million contract, and they also signed Ronald Blair. Armstead is a good extension for them. I think they basically had to choose between their two defensive tackles. They traded one to the Colts and kept one. Makes sense, I think. It's a decent price, I think, as well. So, why not, essentially?
1: see any problem with it like i think Eric Arms said perhaps you know he's the hometown boy he was willing to take a little bit less money and therefore even though buckner perhaps being the more consistent they're willing to kick in and obviously nick Bose is kind of the star of that defense anyway but he's cheap and jimmy ward decent business there he's been good for them at safety for a while there and ronald blair's coming off an injury was a bargain like, i think san francisco are another one of those teams that after having so many years have been just throwing money at people I imagine over the next few years, we'll probably have to you know, tighten their belts a bit like uh, the Rams have to do recently. And uh, we'll see how they compete as those uh, those constraints come into play as time goes on.
0: No, of course. And Devin McCordy signed an extension with New England. Two years, 23 million, 17 million guaranteed.
1: to give something to New England fans. Hey, you got to keep Devin McCordy, right? Woo! Like uh, nothing else happened. So it's the
0: uh, New England free agency. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I suppose we will move on and have a look at free agency as a whole and how it's gone so far. Okay, so we'll start up, I suppose, Tampa Bay. Well, yeah, we'll look at a couple of the teams first. Tampa Bay, probably the the, the big name brand move at the moment. They brought in Tom Brady, so he's not going to be their quarterback. Will it work on the field? Like, is it going to play? That offense tends to be kind of... Big, deep, shoddy type offense. I'm not sure that's the player Tom Brady is these days, but he's going to have the best uh, wide receiver weapons that he's had for years, I think, at this point. Solid run game in place. It is still, like, it's a horrible uniform. I don't know why you choose it on that basis. It's going to look awful. Well, I,
1: think, I think they've updated it now. So it's, they have. It hasn't
0: fixed it all that much, though. Well,
1: they got rid of the stupid lettering, that's about it. Yeah,
0: that's true. <laughs> they keep their defense intact. They've got Sue. They've got JPP. Like this is setting up like a team that wants to go win now in a difficult division, the NFC South, that wasn't all that competitive realistically of late. I know it's big news. I know Tom is, you know, the GOAT and all that stuff, but is a 42, 43-year-old Tom Brady the piece that was missing to make this into a Super Bowl team?
1: A Super Bowl team, I don't think so, because I think the weaknesses beyond quarterback were still significant on that team. But it does, I think, instantly make them into a, an interesting team. A team, But I think, like, Tom Brady, the type of offense that he wants isn't necessarily what you'd expect from Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians obviously runs the kind of uh, a deep-shot offense, yeah, which running puts the quarterback run. in a lot of danger. And in recent years, Tom Brady's perhaps been a little bit hit-shy. He's been willing to just throw a, uh, throw a lot of balls out of, out of, the, out of the park just to kind of stay safe so it'll be interesting to see how their two systems meld together uh, and whether they go there but like there are major holes on this roster like yes Chris Godwin Mike Evans OJ Howard uh, and uh, the offensive line isn't horrible like that's that's a lot of stuff to work on but there's no real running back there we're talking about like Ronald Jones is still, like, their top running back. They, they talk about getting, like, a pass-catching back in the draft. Uh, but, like, their 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 line like their linebackers beyond Levante David and their defensive backs in particular are really bad. So, like, Tampa Bay still feel to me like a team that's going to have to score a lot of points to stay relevant, especially in a division with the Atlanta Falcons and the Northern Saints. Like, does Tom Brady make them relevant, uh, both in terms of media exposure and on the field? I definitely think it does. But does it suddenly t- tip them over to New Orleans yeah. Saints? I don't think I so. I don't think so at all. Like I think it's a really interesting experiment, but I think this is just a team that, besides hmm. the Tom Brady uh, addition, we haven't seen anything exciting happen yet. Hmm. Now, there's talk that in the draft they might move up to get a, a, like, a, one of the franchise tackles in the draft. Uh, but overall, I'm just not seeing... Like, like, when he initially was signed, it was an talk about a fusion or run of free agents coming there. We haven't seen that. No. So if you take the Tampa Bay roster, add Tom Brady, am I talking about a championship contender? In my opinion, no. probably not.
0: No, it'll be interesting to see, like, what they do in the draft will be key. But also, like, maybe we're, we're not doing our predictions yet, but so far from what I'm seeing is, like, I think the heady heights they can reach is, they could be the first seventh seed in that division. Like, that's, you know, at least it's, it's making history. I yeah. suppose. Um, I,
1: it'd be fun to see Tom Brady in a in a offense first team. Cause he hasn't really had that since uh, in a number of years. Point, probably when maybe had two tight end it. sets is probably the last great passing offense he had.
0: Yeah, interesting. But no, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I'm, not, uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on it. they 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 they're kind of they're, they're the big headline guys. But I don't. I'm just not seeing it yet. Indianapolis have also decided to make a move at the most important position. Phil Rivers is coming into town. Uh, They also then traded their first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. This seems to be a team that's kind of going, okay, because they have a pretty good roster before this. We've all talked about how solid they were, but they were missing a couple of key pieces. They seem to be trying to fill those in. Rivers, look, I'm not sold on them, but I think he's an upgrade, possibly. DeForest Buckner (laughs) is a good pickup. he'll, He'll do great for them on the line. I'm not sure about... Not Sure, about giving a first and then having to pay him out of contract that size, but like he's a very good player, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that much. Quarterback Xavier Rhodes is there, they've kept a lump of their offensive line, they've lost Eric Ebron, Pierre Desir, Devin Funches, one of the guards, and stuff like it's not. Um, they haven't lost a ton. I like some of the pieces they've brought in, yeah. I'm just like, I and I don't know if it's just that the AFC West bias in me, I, I just still again. I'm not sure that old Philip Rivers is going to be the thing that pushes him over the edge, although I do love the addition of DeForest pump.
1: Philip Rivers, the big open question is whether his decline in recent years has been exclusively just you know him being worse and basically falling off the cliff, or just the fact that he isn't able to survive behind a kind of makeshift offensive line that the Chargers have just been throwing out there for basically a decade at this point. He used to be able to get around that, but I think maybe at this point in his career he wasn't able to. He comes into the Indianapolis Colts, they obviously have a great offensive line. They managed to keep Anthony Costanzo, they have Quinton Nelson, one of the best young players uh, in the league. Ryan Kelly at center, we can see that Jacoby Brissett did okay before he picked up his injury or in the season looked okay. So I think you know, DeForest Buckner adds a bit more spice to that defensive line. I think like. Their defense has been pretty solid, but never really been spectacular. I think Buckner adds something extra there, and they'll probably pick up more in the, in the draft as well. And I think he, like, Buckner was probably the only set of that kind of relatively disappointing San Francisco first-round picks on the defense that actually kind of more or less played up to his level, um, looked like a first-round pick overall. Um, so I think, yeah, that adds a lot of spice. So we know that internal pressure means a lot. I think in a division which is full of question marks, um, can Tennessee repeat? Houston, we'll talk about in a moment. Jacksonville are in the toilet. I definitely think that Philip Rivers, with that offensive line, can do enough to make these uh, playoff relevant at the very least. And they could probably add some more talent to the wide receiver spot. But other than that, I'm not seeing a roster that is desperate for, for reinforcements beyond what they've added here. And given the slow burn that they've done up to this point, I think it's worth the risk of throwing at Philip Rivers, seeing if it works out. And if, if you have to go back to Jacoby Brissett, that's not the end of the world. You could probably still be a competitive eight, to ten win team if
0: things fall away. Yeah, no, of course, and they've got the good running back. They've got everything around it. Like it, it's, it's a nice little spot. It's a, it's a good retirement home for Phil. Carolina have decided to really just kind of clear house there and I kind of burn it to the ground and start again. So they brought in Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they've gotten rid of Cam. They've gotten rid of Kyle Allen, backup, who was traded to the Mizzougs for a fifth. Obviously, the main the main question is how quickly can it be turned around. This is quickly becoming the team of you know, my starter in fantasy football got injured. So now I've picked this guy up off the waiver wire. So you're going to have <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater throwing it to Robbie Anderson. And, like Seth Roberts is well on the outside. Like it's um, it's it's a weird, okay, so they locked down the running back. They're going to be a run first team. That's fine. Bridgewater was okay for the Saints when he was stepping in for them. But like it's been talked about everywhere. He has terrible like, air yards per attempt. He doesn't throw it downfield. They're not going to threaten you deep. Like, Robbie Anderson, at his best, is... And he has he has these games where he looks incredible where he is a deep threat. He is a speed guy that can go on the outside. That's not the kind of game they play. This team, I think, is going in the toilet.
1: I think that is possible. I think Matt Rule, I think the way he's done this offseason gives an indication that he'd almost be willing to accept that to a certain extent. I think given where the division is, it wouldn't be, you know, I don't think he would be... Run out of the team if his team doesn't do well against the Saints and Tampa Bay and even Atlanta at this point. Uh, I think there is a nucleus of a decent team there. I think Terry Bridgewater. Yes, I think he. I think we saw hints that maybe he was, was just being overly conservative because he was coming back to trying to be a starting quarterback and avoiding mistakes. Maybe he could do more. Uh, but you know, his, his best two receivers, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, are both uh, you know yards after the catch specialists. So that isn't necessarily a terrible thing. Those are guys that you just your know, point guard. You get it to those guys. They do the work for you. And then Robbie Anderson's third receiver. He can do the occasional deep shot. I think the big issue for them, though, is he's also done a, a lot of work. You know, like you know Christian McCaffrey and those guys are good, but there's no tight end there. Greg olson has gone. They're lining up guys like Ian, Th- Ian Thomas. And their defense is, like, I know it's a lot less interesting, but his defense has also been greatly overhauled as well. He got rid of people like James Bradbury, Eric Reed. Uh, Don Tari-Poe, Mari Anderson, Vernon Butler, Bruce Irvin. That's basically overturning like half the defensive roster. Uh, So it'll be very interesting to see what he can do there because, you know, when you look down, up and down, obviously Luke Keachan retired as well at this point, um, you go through there, there's a lot of interesting players like K1 Short and Brian Burns and perhaps some like Jack Thompson, but there's not a huge level of players that you go, oh, those are guaranteed, uh, you know, uh, pro Bowl, all-pro type players. Mm -hmm. So, It'll be interesting to see whether they kind of end up looking a lot like last year, uh, where I think you saw that there's still good players in the team, but the holes were so big that they just ended up shipping way too many points and, and not being able to stay competitive. Like Matt Rule, he's a culture type coach. That's all to talk about how he creates a great culture. So I'm not shocked that he's getting rid of anyone who doesn't fit the culture. And obviously, just coming from the college ranks, he have more familiarity with the draft uh, by default, which may be very useful this time out. Um, so I expect this, this is a team that will trade down a lot, make up a lot of picks, and we'll see a lot of rookies year one. And mm. hopefully, that gives him the room where you can take advantage of that big long contract and turn this roster over. But yeah, I think I agree with you that this year um, with Teddy Bridgewater, I could see them maybe being somewhat competitive, but I just don't see them as a realistic playoff contender.
0: Not seeing like I see this as being him like clearing house, betting in some new guys, getting them a year or so experience, picking up a quarterback next year instead. That buying him an additional kind of year of breathing room with the with the fans and being like, oh, the system's working, give me kind of three or four years. Uh, Chicago are probably the next big one. I always find this weird. So, like, they brought in Nick Foles, there's worries about like what are they gonna do? Because essentially, this is the team that we kept talking about last year as being, man, if they just put literally any one of 31 other quarterbacks in there, this team could be competitive. And people are starting to get worried about that. They've brought in high-priced free agents that make not a wild pile of sense. Be like Jimmy Graham. Why are you paying this money two years, sixteen million to Jimmy Graham? He hasn't done anything in about four years. He's like at best trade bait on a fantasy football game to someone who doesn't pay that much attention to what's happening in the current timeline. Like Nick Foles, I like him coming in. Is he? Is he a? like starting quality, take you throughout the entire season kind of quarterback. Uh, he's, he's shown to be good at times in systems and this system will be similar to the ego system we have because both were coming from the Andy Reid tree. But he's never played an entire fucking season. Trubisky's got to bury this team unless they swap for him. Like Nick Foles isn't the kind of like, this is the easy answer that we can swap to him. Like there's not, there's even, even Teddy Bridgewater will be an easier kind of we can swap to him versus this guy, right? Like Foles is now two years away from when he was very good and failed to beat out a rookie in gardner Minshew for his job last year.
1: This is not a very flattering uh, comparison, but this kind of feels similar to Jacksonville a few years ago, where you have this quarterback that you're tied to for whatever reason. You then bring in an emergency backup, the same one, and to a certain extent in the mm. goals, and you hope it works out. Like The defense last year wasn't, the kind of elite defense that got to the playoffs a year prior. They have, obviously, some great players like Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack, but there are, like, holes have emerged as time has gone on, uh, particularly uh, in terms of, like, the uh, defensive uh, the defensive tackles and in the secondary, I wouldn't, and the secondary wasn't quite as good as it was previously, so I do have genuine concerns to see this is a team that's desperate to keep to keep its window open um, after making the huge mistake of obviously getting Mitchell Trubisky and sending themselves back, but that the window may be closing too fast. You know, Maybe this had happened a year ago or a year prior to that. They could have made a real run, but now it just feels a bit like this is this will all be for naught. Maybe they could do enough to stay competitive, but I just think, yeah, Nick Foles and his injury profile and even his very inconsistent play when he does stay healthy, I just, I'm not really seeing enough here to believe that Chicago can turn this around in one year. And the fact that they're giving these huge, like this, Relatively speaking, a lot of money to Robert Quinn and Jimmy Graham, and they're giving a lot of money to Mack. For example, it just doesn't strike me as a team that, that that's thinking rationally right now. a team that's playing for right now, and I don't think has the talent in place right now to be a genuine contender. Especially when you consider you have Minnesota and Green Bay in the same division. It's just going to be a really tough year. This is thing. Like, I,
0: I, I it has a feel of like it's uh, Matt Nagy knows that they have to do something this year, or he might get fired. And it kind of feels quite unfortunate because like he didn't select Mitch Trubisky. That wasn't his call, but he's been stuck with him the entire time. Yeah, it's, it's it just it just doesn't feel like it's gonna be a good one. Like maybe maybe something happens in the draft and they surprise us, but I like they don't pick till the second round again, because they don't have any first rounders. They're not quite as bad off as the Rams, but you know, they're not great for being able to refresh that roster. Arizona, uh interestingly, these last two teams kind of combine in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there is uh bill, bill o'brien got robbed for his number one receiver so deandre hopkins is now in arizona they've kind of moved a couple of people around on the defense Added of devondre campbell devon Kennard, jordan phillips they've now got weapons for the nice second year little kyler murray uh to throw to they've got some new defensive pieces they've had a year to bed into this system this looks very interesting as a TV. Like, at the back end of the season, they were coming on a lot offensively, and the defense was looking a little bit better. Now they've got a legitimate superstar number one receiver there in DeAndre Hopkins. They've got some nice pieces to add into that defense. They've kept Larry Fitzgerald. They've tagged Kenyon Drake. They've freed themselves of the contract of David Johnson. Like, they are having a hell of an off season, mostly because Bill O'Brien's a fucking moron, which we will talk about in a bit.
1: Yeah, like, like this is your classic year two quarterback move. You you obviously spend a lot of capital to get your, your quarterback of the future. And then in year two, well, year one, you evaluate what's his strength, what's his weaknesses. And then in year two, you surround them as much as possible with the talent needed on the offense to get him going. And there's no greater talent than DeAndre Hopkins, a certified wide receiver number one, who's able to catch basically anything that comes within his radius. Obviously going with Larry Fitzgerald, who's obviously who's also... Known for captain. So the big thing as well as for Kyler Murray is that, you know, just need to get him comfortable with throwing up those contested catches because you've got two of the best in the business at doing that. Like, obviously, there's still questions about the rest of the roster in terms of wide receivers and, and especially tight end. And obviously, Kenyon Drake has been, was very up and down, even in his good uh, period in Arizona. Some weeks you get 200 yards, and the next week you get, like, 20 or 30. Uh, and hopefully the offensive line can be updated. But I think for Arizona... I think this instantly makes them a very interesting, intriguing, competitive team, but I think you know the difference between them being you know a major contender and just being a wildcard contender is obviously going to come down to that defense, but they've thrown a, you know, a number of different players in. Canard seems to be another victim of the Detroit, Patricia, just getting rid of anyone who doesn't, I don't know, anyone who has leadership potential, basically. Uh, <laughs> Matt, Patricia just wants to get rid of uh, following uh, Diggs and, uh, and Darius Slay at the building, and then, uh, yeah, like, I think there's Some interesting players in that defense, they could be put together, but you know, I think Cliff Kingsbury in college was known for having these ridiculous offenses and terrible defenses. Mm -hmm. We'll see if he does that again. But look, if the offense is as explosive as it could be with this DeAndre Hopkins edition, and Kyler Murray's willing to throw it up and add in his scrambling, and Kenyon Drake gets up to where he can be, then it's going to be a really exciting team to watch. And I think you know, uh, that's maybe the ones we can ask for. Maybe this could be the Tampa Bay of this year at the worst in, this case, in
0: that case. So I suppose we'll move on to the team that they fleeced and talk about. This is just, like, this should this should stop being a podcast and start being an intervention at this point. Houston, <laughs> hire a general manager and stop this madness from continuing. Bill O'Brien has decided to further destroy and ruin this team. He has traded away DeAndre Hopkins in exchange for now having Brandon Cooks, who has multiple concussions, not able to take the field all the time, a very good receiver when he's on the field. But, you know, there's a reason that he's now on his fifth team in six years or whatever, that, like, this is this is a, a, a risk cop who's had risk injuries, uh, has had, had injuries beforehand, at risk of having some more of them, is at 30 years old and hasn't really broken out as such. They have, what's the guy's leg keeps getting injured Will Fuller, Will Fuller uh, is there as well, who's reliable for about three games a year, even though he's great when he's on the field.
1: But of course, Sean Connor, they got David
0: Johnson. David Johnson they, as well, yeah, with the, know, possibly the worst contract ever. in football. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> like this, this is so fucking ridiculous. So they have a proper tier one superstar blue chip wide receiver. They trade him away pick up a couple of pieces of shit, essentially, for it. They take a huge running back con- contract for a running back who had won productive year four years ago. They pick up... Cook- they then trade for uh Cooks at a fourth. Yeah. They pick up Randall Cobb. They, like, grab Philip Gaines. Like, this is a team that has gotten worse at every single level, has taken on bad contracts at every single level. So, like, the difference between Brandon Cooks' current contract that they are fulfilling... And the contract that because they had Hopkins for very little, but he wanted a, a renegotiation. Hopkins, you do put him at about 19 and a half, 20 million. I think mean, Cooks is being paid about 17 and a half, 18. So it's about 2 million of a difference for, let's be honest, even when they're both healthy, I would take Nuke Hopkins over Brandon Cooks.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And um, yeah, the health issue makes the slam dunk. Why would you ever do this? Like, you know, basically, yeah, you got, you got Cooks, David Johnson and a fourth-rounder. Remember, Houston doesn't have a first-rounder because they traded away for Tunsil. Yeah. Uh, and now they're going to have to pay Tunsil a but b- load of money very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, They lose, like, you know, like, they obviously lose DeAndre Hopkins. That's just ridiculous. Like, you have Deshaun Watson. He's a young quarterback. He's on a sticky contract. And you're giving away, well, not giving away, but basically giving away for all purposes. No, 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 no.
0: You're, not, you're not giving away. You're paying someone to fucking take away because yeah. you're paying yeah. 13 million to fucking David Johnson, like.
1: Like this doesn't make any sense. I don't know what he's doing. He also lost D. J. Reader, a very good defensive tackle as well. Yeah. Like Carlos Hayden and Lamar Miller, I, like I don't think they'll be much worse than David Johnson, to be honest, at this point in their career. No. And you know, the secondary maybe Philip Gaines can get back into form, but he was terrible last year by all accounts. Tinny Jernigan, Eric Maurice are band aid solutions. Like you have Deshaun Watson, oh, well hopefully you don't trade him away for like a, a packet of Chris and a third rounder, but like you know, you have Deshaun Watson, you look at the other teams around the league, what do they do when they have a young quarterback? They build talent around them. Yes, you have a left tackle. What use is a left tackle if all your wide receivers are injured and you're basically leaving them the dry We saw last year so often that when the injuries hit, Deshaun Watson was running around like a headless chicken waiting for anything to happen and getting sacked again and again and again. And the only person he trusted was realistically and and for good reason was DeAndre Hopkins because the rest of those guys, they're speed guys. Yes, when they get open, good things happen, but you can't trust them in contested areas. You can't trust them um, when there's a defensive back right beside them. Um, So, like, look, I I don't know what Bill O'Brien thinks he's doing. I don't know what Bill O'Brien thinks he's doing. Like, apparently... He didn't like that. The Hopkins had too many baby mamas who happened to be white. Apparently. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he, I think, I think he
0: said, "Oh, I've never had to deal with this since I had to deal with Aaron Hernandez." You're like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Like,
1: just yeah, cop but yourself we, on. We have, you know, and you know, he wanted a new contract. Like, yeah, he wants a new contract because he's one of the best players in the league. Pay the man.
0: No, time. no, no. We want to. We want to pay Brandon Cooks instead, yeah, and also just, give away picks for
1: him. Bill O'Brien has basically put himself in the same position as Bill Belichick. Have. But this is going a lot more like what happened when Chip Kelly was put in charge of the Philadelphia Eagles. He, mm. he, he knows what's happening. He won't listen to anyone. And he's apparently going to run this organization in the ground. Like, despite all of this, it's not the worst roster in the league. And it isn't what I consider to be one of the weaker... Well, no, it's not one of, one of the middle league divisions in terms of difficulty. Maybe it's a little more difficult than that with Tennessee and the other solid enough. But, you know, it just feels like this is a team that is good despite Bill O'Brien gm not because of bill O'Brien gm and as a coach he's not that amazing either so yeah houston maybe they can get away with it but i kind of feel like their luck might just run out with this extra level of absolute idiocy.
0: no of course like this is the thing just just fire bill o'brien i've been saying this for like three years <laughs> <laughs> I know. all right so we'll go through uh what are currently left out on the market so uh quarterbacks Everyone who we had on our top list from the previous podcast are gone. The only one we haven't discussed is Mariota. He's gone to the Raiders on a two-year 17 million. He's back up. He'll probably get a shot at the starting job a la Tannehill, I think, is their hope there. Um, But either way, I think Carr is out after this season, almost certainly. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. Um, It's a fine spot for him. The players available, if your team is in the hunt for a quarterback, are... Cam Newton is still out there after he was cut by Carolina. James Winston is out there, uh, even though he's currently in Twitter spats with David Carr online about his training regimen. Joe Flacco <laughs> is available since Denver cut him. Yeah, that's what you want, Elite Dragon Joe Flacco. And uh, Andy Dalton is available via trade, which is after so the Cam Bengals
1: Newton. H- the Bengals are now like, yeah,
0: we'll just keep him, whatever. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's <laughs> Well, the, the thing is, like, they made it a little bit too obvious that so they drove down his values and now they're trying to be like, oh, let's play a little bit coy with it. Newton, I think, will be a good addition to a lot of teams thinking your your LA Chargers and your couple a couple of teams yeah. like that. Maybe even like the Miami Dolphins or someone like that. Uh, although, you know, they obviously want to roll with Fitz. But... I think he,
1: he was a prime kick to tires, candidate for all those teams who need a quarterback, but obviously just due to the current coronavirus situation, you can't really bring him in at the moment. Yeah. So that's the thing. You want to I've test him. Yeah, I think if he's at ear and ear where he needs to be, if his shoulder is fully repaired, uh, as he says, then he seems like a very intriguing and very likely, very good candidate to take a team that's on the on the precipice, like if you say, the Chargers, and perhaps make them into a contender. Like they're talking up to Rod Taylor right now, but like, is there any reason not to put Cam Newton in there and have a bit of competition? No. None beyond just you know, I suppose you you don't want to drive this value right now, so it makes sense. I think he'll get uh, he'll get a shot somewhere. Um, it would be interested to see whether it's, it's as a backup or perhaps as a you know, full actual competition. Yeah, uh,
0: Jameis is the other one who I think is it'd probably be someone who looked look at him as a reclamation project. I think if it wasn't for the TB12, Jameis would be back in yeah. Tampa Bay. I'm sure someone will take a pot at him. Uh, I don't know who. I think he probably has an inflated sense of value at the moment himself, whereas actually it's going to come down. He'll have to probably do a... Again, a kind of a Ta- Tannehill type scenario. Yeah, maybe team. an
1: injury or something if he's willing
0: to hold out long. Yeah. Um, the other two, Flacco's done. Some of them might take him as a backup, but I don't think he even wants a backup money. Like I think he'll just. I can see him retiring. Dalton, it just depends. He could sit well on a team as a backup or challenge a kind of mid tier starter. Yeah. Like, possibly somewhere like, uh, like Carolina or something like that would be a interesting Yeah, lineup. but they
1: already have Teddy so they're kind of filling in the But other thing so like you've sure. Teddy and you've
0: Andy so you kind of get, like they're they're, they're 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 pretty interchangeable Teddy and Andy yeah. <laughs> No, uh running backs uh we didn't talk a lot about these guys but from Johnson Uh Gurley is now at Atlanta on a 1 year 6 million kind of prove it deal. The Rams are eating a lot of cap for cutting him, but they wanted to get rid at this point. I like this deal. I would like him to have come to my team for that price. Uh, I like the idea of having him for one year at that and just see how yeah. it is. But
1: he's a, he's a Georgia boy. This is his hometown. Um, he obviously played for Georgia at the college level, so mm. this was a a match made in heaven in terms of uh, trying to you know I want to make if I'm gonna come back and show that I'm still God girly then I want to do it for the local fans and kind of get my reputation back there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for this money, he's mostly getting paid by the Rams this year. So I think he was willing to to not have to push it too hard to get a deal done quick. And considering, you know, the running back market hasn't been too hot, really. Yeah. I think he's happy enough to get off that market after. I think he's only, he's on less 24 hours, so I think he's happy enough just to get yeah. out of that and there well. There is also,
0: there is an extent to which at this point, everyone's kind of a bit, with the uncertainty, they'd, li- they'd rather be signed and there's a paycheck in there than like, be trapped in case, like, something happens and the league is delayed. Uh, Melvin Gordon's the only other one that I mentioned just briefly. He's got a Denver to do a divisional rival on a two-year, $16 million deal. He's come out since and said, through his agent, that he took this deal because he got to play against the Chargers twice a year and show them what they're missing, which is such a pile of bullshit. Like, there is no yeah. way, because this is a guy who held out because he didn't think he was being paid enough. There's no way he's then, like, Taking less money at this point to try and stick it to them.
1: Now he has, he has basically realized this. Uh, I think he said some comments based to his effect about these records, but he does fucked up uh, by not taking that contract. And yeah. now obviously Austin Eckler uh, basically has his contract, Got the contract. contract. We discussed that in the last uh, one. Yeah. Uh, we we discussed that in the previous podcast with Melvin Gordon here. Yeah, you get to prove something, but the only thing you're proving is that you made a big mistake. And yeah, maybe like that Denver team has some potential, but I wouldn't consider it to be. Anywhere near competing against Kansas City, for example. Yeah. So, it's like also, it's they've, just, got, they've got a pretty good like,
0: established running back group there as well. So, like, it's not yeah, like, like they
1: have been to... a easy, perhaps suits better as a complimentary back. I think with the NFL, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to rely on someone like Lindsay. And I think, I think Gordon will actually have a good year. I just don't think, you know, he's not getting paid all the money he wants for it. I don't know how much mm-hmm. is relevant. I think the running back group in general just isn't that exciting. Like, you have Jordan Howard got a contract, TJ Watt, a fullback got a bit of money. Uh, but like the guys said, like, there's still plenty of guys out there who are middling, like Devontae Freeman after Cup cut by Atlanta, mm-hmm. when they signed Gurley, Carlos Hyde, Lamar Miller. There's just not much happening in the running back case. Yeah. So I think until the draft happens and they get people get their nice, new shiny running backs, mm-hmm. do not affect these guys to have much action.
0: So we've got uh, wide receivers. We'll start to move through these a little bit quicker because we're going to kind of get into these then on the team-by-team reviews later in the summer. Uh, Stefan Diggs is now in Buffalo, Minnesota, traded first, fifth, and sixth, and a fourth and got a seventh back for him. Big trade value for a guy who was very good last year and wanted out, so that makes sense. Austin Hooper got paid, but like we said, there's fuck all tight ends around. And Emmanuel Sanders is now on a two-year deal in New Orleans, picking up 16 million. That's a nice little pickup for them. I don't trust Sanders, but at that price, he's a nice addition to an already pretty good Offense there. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: like wide. It took a while for the wide receivers market to heat up, but once it did, all the good guys were gone pretty quickly. You talk about Robbie Anderson, previously and at this point, there's nothing of note like Paul Richardson's your best available. But mm-hmm. like on Diggs, personally, I feel it was a lot to pay for Stephon Diggs, considering he wanted to get out of there. Yeah, he is a good player, but I, like I, I think like it's Josh a lot think, of
0: trade value for some guy who is probably going to get released, or at least if he had traded released. for less.
1: I think Josh Allen will he be able to take full advantage of someone like Stephon Diggs
0: well, it depends we'll see. Does, does, does Stephon Diggs have a 15 yard wide catch raise? <laughs> we'll see
1: like Sean <laughs> like Brown did okay as the number one receiver there last year but yeah it's a bit like I, I, yeah, no I, I think it makes sense because you want to see if Josh Allen is genuinely a full on franchise quarterback and you need to give guys there who can show yeah. that but
0: this is the equivalent move is what we were talking about with New Hopkins of bring in the wide receiver yeah. into the rookie and then see what you can do with it. Um, I'm just
1: more skeptical of Josh Allen than I am of uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, uh, and, and Manny Sanders, Like I think this is a great pickup. Like, I thought he was one of the underrated free agents coming in. I think he's, like if you're talking about someone to pull with Michael Thomas, I think he could be a great pickup for the New Orleans Saints. And like, they were just really desperate to have someone Besides, uh, besides Thomas to just pick up that slack, and he could make a huge difference there. I and mean, yeah, the tight ends went off. The tight end market went very hot. Like Eric Ebron also got paid fairly well. Yeah. But Austin Hooper got a lot of money as we kind of expected, and Hayden Hurst got traded for a lot as well. So. Yeah, like tight end seems to be a pretty good position if you can catch the ball at
0: the moment. No, of course. Like I said, if your team's looking for one, Paul Richardson, Delaney Walker, Taylor Gabriel, but realistically, it's meant to be a very good wide receiver draft, but a pretty shitty tight end draft. Uh, Offensive line, everyone we mentioned got paid and is now on teams. If your team is looking for one, uh, Trent Williams is still available by trade. We discussed many times his issues with the Mzungus. Jason Peters is there as a free agent, and Ronald Leary is also available as a free agent. So, one or two yep. options there, maybe some more pricey than others. It
1: yeah, actually didn't it have been as overpriced as I thought. Like Conklin got 42 million, not too bad. Beluga, 30 million for three years. Glasgow, like they are all getting around 10 ish million. I thought it could go higher. We've seen it go higher in previous years. Um, so, overall, as I, as I kind of expected, it was an active period for offensive linemen, but not as crazy as previous years. So, you know, Conklin, I think, is a good addition to Cleveland along with Austin Hooper. So Cleveland, one of those teams that did a lot of things, but nothing really that, that jumped off the page. Well, the big it one is, is a everyone, everyone's
0: afraid of, like, reading too much into Cleveland's offseason after everyone read too much into Cleveland's offseason last yeah,
1: year. Yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> if you're looking for edge support, all the big names are gone. Feathers with Atlanta, Quinn's with Chicago... Calvin Noyes at Miami, Floyd's uh, with the Rams, and Vic Beasley's with Tennessee. If you're looking for players, we mentioned earlier, Jadavian Clowney is still on the hunt. Apparently, he's looking for more money than people are willing to give. And because he had some surgery stuff and he can't get in for a medical, that's going to hold it up. Yannick Ngokwe has been franchise tagged, but he's been very vocal about not wanting to play for the Jags. Please, someone trade for me. And um, Everson Griffin is also out there after Minnesota not picking up an option.
1: These these all kind of actually thematically fit together because Dante Fowler obviously had that one-year deal with the Rams and now got paid a lot of money by Atlanta. Leonard Floyd, Vic Beasley—these are guys who are hoping to have a similar Leonard Floyd actually at the Rams, so exactly the same thing, and hopefully get the Dante Fowler Junior contract in a year or two. The only one that didn't make any sense to me was Kyle Von Noy because I don't. Miami just had so much cap space. I think they're like we're bringing the New England guy and pay him well. Uh, And yeah, if you want, if you want. To get a defensive uh, end right now, Everson Griffin is a good veteran option. David Clowney is a high-risk, high-reward. I think he's still looking for – his his demands have come down from $20 million to around maybe 16 to $18 million, but that's still a lot of money per year for someone with all his uh, risks. And Yannick Ngakwe, look, the talent is definitely there. He's still young, no major health issues, but obviously the price. You're probably looking at Stefan Digg-type price if you want to get him out of Jacksonville.
0: Yeah. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. I think that might come down. If it continues to be tumultuous, it might, it might work, but you'd have to hold off. And particularly, I think I think post draft, we'll see when moves will start to get made because people will know where they haven't been able to fill holes. Uh, defensive tackle. We've mentioned a few of these already, but uh, Buckner's in Indianapolis. Campbell is in Baltimore. Uh, they traded for a fifth from Jacksonville. Hargraves in Philly. DJ Reader in Cincinnati. And Gerald McCoy is now in Dallas. Yeah, some of these. Cheaper than others, I'm surprised, like, Gerald McCoy, I know he's a bit older, but, like, a three-year $18 million it seems like a very good value for picking him up, I would have thought, even as a rotational guy, coming in at under six a year and probably, you know... I think the
1: star health in that case. I think it's, you know, like, Gerald McCoy knows if he goes to Dallas, he'll get a lot of exposure. Maybe he can keep his profile up, and that may make, make a difference for his post-NFL career. Mm. Um, and it was a longer-term conference, so that's good. Like, Calais Campbell, I think a fifth for him is a bargain. I think Baltimore, they added him and Derek Wolfe after Michael Brockers fell through. Um, I think Baltimore, there was a lot of excitement early on. I think it'll make their defense better overall. Uh, they can match you down as well. So I think Baltimore, you can expect that they always put together a good defense. Maybe Killez Campbell can make it into a great defense again. And Hargrave and Breeder, I think they're both very reasonable contracts. And like Cincinnati are not only teams that spent a lot of money, uh, but not necessarily for very high-profile players. Like they had a lot of secondary players they mm. kind of brought in. Um, so, yeah, like Cincinnati... They spent a lot of money. I don't know how wisely we'll see. Uh, I don't expect in our predictions we'll say it was that wisely spent, to be honest.
0: No, of course. Uh, and if your team's looking for any of this position, Marcel Darius, Christian Covington and Mike Daniels are still out and about. Again, I think this is meant to be a fairly decent defensive tackle draft. So we'll see. Yeah, Probably there's some decent drafts draft yeah. on it. But that'll all come next week. Linebacker, everyone that we mentioned is pretty much gone. Littleton, Showbert, Martinez, Kwiatkowski. Collins, Bell, they're all gone. If you're looking for someone, Nigel Bradham's available, Hassan Redick's available, Tony Jefferson is available. Like, Most like of these contracts of a, seem to make a lot of sense to me. Like, even Blake Martinez, who I'm quite down on, I'm like, okay, 10 million a year, like, I was expecting him to get paid more. There wasn't the massive escalation in, in contracts in this section that I was expecting.
1: Yeah, I think Joe Schobert's the only one that's a bit, maybe a little bit strange, like, mm-hmm. especially with Jacksonville, are basically in a rebuild mode, and then New Vegas, busy alongside probably Detroit, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and most of them we talked about already. They they added a lot of players. Like They added Jason Witten. They added Corey Littleton here, as we know, Kwiatkowski. So they've added a lot of players, but not really people who jump off the page. Like Littleton's probably the the highlight of that in terms of actual talent. And he's a very good coverage linebacker, and they're maybe a little bit underrated these days. But uh, three years for $36 million, it's not that big of a risk, really. And... Uh, yeah, like guys like Bradham, Reddick and Tony Jefferson are still out there. So I think like the linebacker, like strong box safety type players are mostly, I think they're kind of in a no man's land with extent in today's league unless you have the cover skills of Corey Littleton. I think that's been reflected in the market. There's just not that much hype around these guys. And they're not getting the type of money you're seeing for the defensive ends, the wide receivers just
0: no, of course. Uh, free safety cornerbacks. This is interesting. So Byron Jones Miami. Darius Slade of Philadelphia after a trade for a third, a fifth, and a three or fifty million dollar contract. Uh Bradbury's in the, the Giants. Chris Harris Jr.'s gone to the Chargers and Desmond trufant has gone to the I oh, just noticed there with the Harris moves as well. a lot of like in division movement there yeah, between a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, um, you
1: just want to get all get beaten down by Kansas City You did nothing except keep most of their team around. Yeah, they the just need the pieces starters, together. Maybe, maybe,
0: maybe if we fit them together differently, they'll make a different <laughs> picture. Uh, if you're looking for anyone in this department, you're talking about Darquise Denard, Logan Ryan, Tremaine Johnson. There was there was not a much of a push on cornerbacks this year. Like even the fact that like Brashad Breland's back with the Chiefs for like four million when like he was he played most of the snaps. He was instrumental in the playoff run and had no fucking market. It was weird.
1: They were getting picked up like a lot, like like all there was like all these leftover um Minnesota cornerbacks, like Xavier Rhodes and stuff, and all these guys got picked up eventually. I think one, one of them got really overpaid by Cincinnati, uh, uh, who was a Trey Wayne, three years, oh, 40 yeah. million. He, he was busy on a podcast uh, talking about, geez, I can't believe that happened, basically, <laughs> uh, a couple of days later. But like, like Byron Jones probably, uh, it's a lot of money, but he was very good. But Miami has so much cap space, that whatever. Mm-hmm. And the rest of these guys, like I think, you know, Darius Slay maybe a bit of overpay but Philadelphia probably are in a win now mode, so that's fine and then yeah Bradbury, Harris, Trufant all these contracts are fairly reasonable so yeah and there's still guys like Darkies Denard, who I think was going to Jacksonville but ended up uh, they had a dispute or something with medicals and Logan Ryan, Jermaine Johnson there, there's guys still out there but I think people are once again waiting on the draft like yeah. this year a lot more waiting on that kind of stuff just because of the situation
0: no of in, course literally like older, older cornerbacks are ones where you really want to like Let's retake a 40 time. Let's see how fast they yeah. are at this point. Like, you know, special teamers, Greg Leggs in Dallas for three years or seven and a half million. Sam Martin's in Denver, three years, seven million. There's still people like Adam Vinataria, Ryan Suckup, Matt Bosher, people like that knocking around. Yeah, the
1: only person put out by all this is uh, Kai Forbath, who had just signed an extension with Dallas before. Oh, yeah. He's... Um, and now he's not. Let's just able say to- he has no guarantee. And uh, Greg Leggett has a fair amount of guaranteed money. So we'll see
0: how that works out. Mm, I think we can probably guess. Kai's going to win, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kai's Kai, baby.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up the free agency so far. Like I said, it's kind of hit a holding pattern now until uh, until we really get to uh, to post-draft. So I think our next step is going to be we're going to do a bit of a pre-draft primer for you. Will we, will we do a mock draft, I think?
1: Yeah, we'll do a mock draft. We'll go through. We'll
0: probably go position by position, the top prospects, and then do a mock draft. For yeah, the we don't have anything else to be doing. To be honest, uh, that's true. Yeah, we've got we'll to. I like. I reckon. I my my quarantino kind of stuff is meant to go back to. I'm meant to be going back to the office uh, next week, and we'll see. I don't really see that. Should be fun. So any plans in for the next week or so? Obviously, we're going to start crunching some tape and uh, getting ourselves ready for our mock drafts that we take very seriously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And other than that, just kind of staying indoors uh, and uh, staying safe. We do a bit of shopping.
0: Yeah, I think we're gonna tip around here. Hopefully, get ourselves an out uh, alcohol delivery at some point in the next day or two. And uh, yeah, chill out, enjoy, have a bit of fun. That's, yeah. that's about it, really. So, um, as I- always, these are these are slightly more hectic podcast because of the content the amount that we try and fit in so we don't get to the questions often or they tend to fold in well but always just keep firing in questions if you want anything uh, asked just pop it to us on facebook twitter or anything like that um bye from me bye from Fitz it's been all four quarters thanks for this we'll you next
1: week.